Welcome to Theory of Indivisibility, solutions-focused evolutionary analysis of our social, economic, and political systems delivered to you in short, digestible episodes. I'm your host, Dr. Sunjata. What's up, everyone? I'm back. Welcome to the first episode of Theory of Indivisibility in the year 2020. Happy New Year to you all. We made it to another year, and I'm so grateful to be able to continue to observe, provide commentary on, and do my part to be a positive force for the continual evolution of human societies here on this planet. So far, 2020 has been a year of transition for me. Uh, I've moved at the beginning of the year in January. I also was transitioning uh, into a career in real estate, which uh, I've been actually been a licensed real estate agent since 2007. And I've uh, done real estate on and off in different capacities uh, since then. And I share with you all some of the uh, decisions that I made in order to pursue my passion and trying to balance pursuing my passion also with being sustainable financially. And, you know, for the bulk of the end of 2019, I was figuring that out. And I shared an episode with you, I believe episode 12. I kind of uh, gave you some insights into that journey for myself. And ultimately, I decided to go back into real estate as um, a a vehicle that will allow me to uh, be sustainable, support my children and myself, as well as continue to have the level of freedom and flexibility that I crave as well so that I can do continue to do this anti-oppression work uh, that I do through the podcast, as well as the uh, facilitation work that I do uh, in the spaces of self-directed education and uh, authentic dialogue, conflict resolution, uh, mediation, etc. So just looking to balance it all. And, you know, I'm, I'm figuring it out as I go, but I'm committed to this podcast and I'm committed to continuing to get this theory out there and I intend to do so so much more in the future and I appreciate those of you who continue to follow and continue to get um, value out of this work and you appreciate your feedback is so appreciated it keeps me going um, and I appreciate you all so let's jump into this next episode In the previous episode titled Ownership Part 3, we discussed how my theory of indivisibility applies to the system slash social construct of ownership in human societies. During today's episode, we're going to discuss the evolutionary origins of the system of capitalism in in human societies. During Season 1 of Theory of Indivisibility, we are exploring the evolutionary origins, current complexities, and how my theory of indivisibility applies to the following social systems, power over, patriarchy, religion, ownership, capitalism, democracy, racism, and education. Season one evolves like a book, so for clarity's sake, I suggest starting from episode one if this is your first time listening. A huge shout out to Akila for increasing her patronage of the show on Patreon. Much love to you, Akila. Thank you to all the people who have chosen to support the continued production of this show by becoming a patron. It really means a lot to me. 
If you get value from listening to this podcast and you'd also like to support it becoming more sustainable, please visit patreon.com forward slash live indivisible. really excited to explore capitalism with you all today. Each and every social system that we've discussed during season one of Theory of Indivisibility is dynamic and complex. However, none is more prominent, in my opinion, than capitalism, because it is the one system that I think most people in capitalist societies are truly present to the realities and impacts of on a daily basis. Speaking of complexity, I first introduced you to the concept of dynamic complexity and how it differs from detail complexity during episode four. Detail complexity involves dealing with many items or variables. This is the one that's more common when people talk about something being complex. Usually usually they're speaking of detail complexity. Crunching numbers on an Excel spreadsheet or organizing a large event are examples of detail complexity. Dynamic complexity relates to when there is a delay between cause and effect and when attempted common sense solutions do not produce expected results. It relates to when the same action has a different outcome for different people or when the same action has dramatically different outcomes immediately than it does at a later date or when the same action has one set of consequences in one setting and a completely different set of consequences in a different setting dynamic complexity exists as well. Human societies, also known as social systems, are full of dynamic complexities. And to this point in history, most of the solutions created have relied on linear and fragmented thinking, which has led to quick fix band-aid solutions that address symptoms of the problem instead of the root causes and only makes things worse in the long term. The current climate crisis is a result of this type of thinking. For far too long, corporations and world leaders have blindly pursued economic growth and the power that comes from it while ignoring the pleas of indigenous people, climate activists, and environmental scientists to make decisions that are aligned with preserving environmental sustainability. Solutions to dynamically complex problems requires systems thinking solutions. Solutions that get to the fundamental root cause of the issue and provide insights on how to design new systems that make the current problems obsolete. When we get to capitalism part three, I'll provide you with examples of a systems thinking solution that I and others have conceptualized. From the moment we were born, our parents began to make decisions for our lives that were motivated by their desire to help us navigate the system of capitalism with the most ease and success. And that charge follows us through every phase of life and impacts everything that we do when we wake up each day. If you've been following this podcast, I'm pretty sure that you've already begun to understand how capitalism could evolve from power over patriarchy, religion and ownership. There are so many interconnections and interdependencies to explore. So let's start with how capitalism evolved. Capitalism is an economic system. An economic system is a system of production, resource allocation, and distribution of goods and services within a society or a given geographic area. 
The first economic system to evolve was nature, the Earth's ecosystem. So if you think about nature and just all the different ways that, um, you know, animals and insects and plants and the ocean and fish and all these various things, uh, how they produce resources, how they allocate resources and how they distribute those resources within their own, you know, within each of their ecosystems, within the greater ecosystem. And that's nature. And humans are a part of that. And we've humans have gone on to build several other um, economic systems on top of nature's natural economic system. So to get into a little more detail on that, prior to the agricultural revolution, which was approximately 12,000 years ago, for the first approximate 200,000 years that we, Homo sapiens, lived in egalitarian hunter-gatherer hunter nomadic bands consisting of dozens of people. Up to that point in our evolution, we only relied on what nature provided, the natural goods of water, oxygen, food, and shelter. We shared the production roles of hunter and gatherer, and we distributed what was collected from those efforts equitably. That was our economy. Due to the agricultural revolution and the advent of farming, humans became sedentary for the first time, and this sparked major population growth. As populations grew, human societies grew from nomadic bands of dozens of people to mostly sedentary tribes with hundreds of people. Farming led to the accumulation of resources for the first time in the form of food from crops. The accumulation of resources, along with population growth, eventually led to the need for more complex economic systems, which included food production and divisions of labor. It also created the need for protection from other tribes as territories began to shrink. These changes also led to the system of power over evolving in human societies and the abandonment of egalitarianism, a.k.a. power with. As we discuss in detail in Episode 2, Power Part 1, the system of power over is the foundation of the dominant social, economic, and political systems in our society today in America. So to shed some light on how uh, our economy evolved from when we were hunter-gatherers to where we are today, it's important to start with the early years. And within the book, Guns, Germs, and Still, the author Jared Diamond provides uh, some charts that uh, he, he provides commentary, but as well as some charts that I'm going to reference uh, that breaks down how human societies evolved. And again, the population numbers were really, really small for the first 290,000 years of our existence on this earth. And then there was a population boom after the, after the agricultural revolution. And with that gradual growth uh, came a gradual evolution of how humans organized themselves. And they started out as bands where they were usually groups of dozens of people. They evolved to tribes where there was groups of hundreds of people. Then there was chiefdoms, which was groups of thousands of people. And then eventually they evolved to states, which had 50,000 or more people. So 
in order to uh, provide some context for how the, that growth impacted uh, economic systems, early human economic systems, that would eventually set the foundation for capitalism as it is today, I'm going to highlight and share some of the um, some of the, the the points from the chart. So, because also it's important to understand that. Um, you know, capitalism isn't just about money. It's also about the way our society is set up. It's also about power. Uh, it encompasses all those things. And the evolution of, you know, uh, power, the evolution of ownership and all the everything we basically talked about in previous shows all laid the foundation for capitalism. So I think that this what we're going to share here in this chart will help understand that in some more detail. So the bands, they their settlement pattern was nomadic. You know, they they just moved around. Uh, they followed the food, and once uh, they got large enough to have tribes, uh, this is when um, the tribal uh, settlements didn't begin until after the agricultural revolution. So after the agricultural revolution, and uh, humans began to live in fixed places for the first time, that's when you had villages. And that's when, you know, tribes and villages started. And then when they evolved to chiefdoms with thousands of people, they had one or more villages. And then obviously states went on to have many villages and cities uh, as they evolved to have more and more people. So the next point of interest we're going to look at on this chart is how decision making uh, occurred throughout this evolution. So. In bands, the decision-making was egalitarian. Everyone had an equal voice. Everyone had a say. There was no bureaucracy. There was no centralized control. The same was um, for tribes initially. And there was, again, because everything kind of moved and evolved as things grew, most tribes initially were, I'm sorry, all tribes initially were egalitarian. And then eventually some evolved to have a big man, just that one leader. And then that evolved to, as chiefdoms uh, came about with thousands of people, now decision-making became centralized for the first time. So, and also uh, the leadership was hereditary. And meaning, you know, this is when the whole idea of passing down the leadership to your children began during chiefdoms when they had chiefs and and eventually it evolved to having, you know, kings and, and queens. And within states, obviously, the decision-making was centralized. And once you got to the state uh, size of societies, then that's when you had the kings and the queens uh, begin to become prominent. The next indicator we'll look at is the monopoly of force and then conflict resolution. So... There was no monopoly of force when there was bands. There was no monopoly of force um, when there was tribes. So when it came to chiefdoms, yes, there was a monopoly of force. The the ruler, the chief, uh, or the king would be the person to uh, basically hand out punishment for crimes or, or anything like that. Conflict resolution in bands was informal. And tribes was informal. Once you once societies evolved to chiefdoms, it became centralized. Again, the king or the ruler would handle all conflicts and help, you know, resolve, uh, you know, conflicts. And also in states, 
there were that's when it became laws and judges to help resolve conflicts. I want to take a moment to share with you how I take this theory of indivisibility work into the world. At the heart of my theory is the belief that we have the capacity to learn new skills. If we want to live indivisibly, we have to learn how to communicate, resolve conflict, and govern our individual relationships, families, communities, and organizations in ways that reject power and privilege and embrace equity and collaboration. For the past five years now, I've been facilitating trainings on a skill designed to do just that, called Authentic Dialogue. Authentic Dialogue is about shared inquiry, a way of thinking and reflecting. It's an exchange where people think together and discover something new. It is the seeking of greater truth, a shared truth that results from a deeper understanding of one another. I have facilitated both individual sessions for two people and group sessions for organizations and companies. I also created an online training titled Create Healthy Personal Relationships and Thriving Organizational Culture with Authentic Dialogue, a three-step process for collaborative conflict resolution that you can access for free at my website under courses. Visit igotogrow.com. That's I-G-O-T-O-G-R-O-W.com and click book me to view a list of facilitation topics and please reach out to me if I can be of service to your family or organization. The next indicator we'll look at was the use of religion to justify kleptocracy. So kleptocracy is a government with corrupt leaders that use their power to exploit the people and natural resources of their own territory in order to extend their personal wealth and political powers. So when did that come onto the scene? Well, there was no religion used to justify kleptocracy in bands or tribes. However, once chiefdoms uh, came into play, yes, there was religion that was used to justify the exploitation of the people and the land. And the chiefs used religion to keep people in check. Um, and this is based on, again, this is uh, detailed. The information is detailed and the evidence uh, to support it was detailed in the book Guns, Germs, and Steel, which was a uh, Pulitzer Prize winning book. So... In states, yes, it, it, it actually uh, evolved in states where initially uh, kleptocracy, religion was used to justify kleptocracy initially and then eventually in some states, no. So let's look at the economy. In bands, well, there's three different indicators under economy, subcategories under economy, which is food production, division of labor, and exchanges or, you know, how do you exchange goods and services? So when there was bans, only bans in, in human societies, uh, there was no food production, no division of labor and the exchange of, of goods and, and services or labor was reciprocal. You know, it was through trade or through egalitarianism in terms of just sharing and helping each other. The same can be said uh, in the tribe, the tribal uh, era where Initially, there was no food production outside of just the hunting and gathering of food, but no food prep, no farming or anything like that. And initially, when tribes started, uh, there was no uh, 
mass food production, but eventually it did become a thing. Uh, divisions of labor, there was none. And also exchanges continued to be reciprocal. You know, fair trade. You know, you ex- you give something, you get something. Or you just help out because that's your role within your tribe. And then once chiefdoms came about, food production became very intensive. And divisions of labor came about where now the chiefs and rulers were giving out specific tasks. And the exchanges became redistributed redistributive, um, meaning whatever the commoners would collect, they had to pay tribute to the king or the the chief or the ruler uh, of that era. And then also once it became states, it was all of those things as well as uh, redistributive exchanges in the form of taxes or, you know, working the land and giving, you know, uh, your food, your crops and everything to the king. And then the king would distribute it to the rest of the people in the land, uh, et cetera. In terms of controlling the land, the entire band controlled the land when they were together. Uh, tribes, as a tribe, they controlled the land. But once we got the chiefdoms, this is when power over and control was really, really, um, you know, firm, starting to firmly be uh, embedded in human societies. And the chief controlled the land and and states Usually it was the king and the queen, and also they gave control of the land to, you know, their their lords, aristocrats, etc. Another interesting indicator that speaks to uh, how economies evolved uh, is that in bands there was no slavery, in tribes there was no slavery, but once societies grew large enough to where they would become chiefdoms, then there was slavery on a small scale. And then once they evolved to become states, there was slavery on a large scale. Another interesting indicator on this chart is the idea of luxury goods for the elite. Within tribes and bands during those eras, there was no luxury goods for the quote-unquote elite. But once some transitioned to chiefdoms, there was luxury goods for the elite. And also at the state level, there was luxury goods for the elite. Now this is when social stratification began to seep in societies because of the power dynamics. It's important to note that everything that I just shared from those charts happened at different rates in different parts of the world. In some very remote places today, there are still people who live in small hunter-gatherer bands and tribes who live egalitarian. When I was researching the various eras in terms of like the Stone Age and things like that, I read often that in some places of the world, they were still in the Stone Age after other places had already evolved out of it and were using different types of tools and different technologies. But these things take time to spread. Um, So everything that I just shared was a general glimpse at the early evolution of uh, settlements in human societies. But just note that, again, it happened at different rates in different places. And... In Africa, for example, they did not take on more advanced economic systems until they were colonized by Europeans. And please note by advanced, I don't necessarily mean better or better for their people or better for their culture or better for the environment. Just more advanced based on the evolution of economic systems. Ultimately, what I'm trying to convey is that every continent and every culture has its own unique timeline. Dynamic complexity exists within all of this. Europe, as 
as populations continued to grow, king and queen ruled kingdoms or states evolved into the social and economic system of feudalism. So we're, we're focusing on Europe because capitalism originated in Europe and Europeans are the ones who went out and colonized you know, uh, various places around the world and imp- imparted the very uh, roots of the social systems that we currently live under today because obviously America is a European colonized settlement. So that's why, again, I've pointed this out before in the pod, but I'm pointing it out again. That's why we continue to look at the history as things have evolved out of Europe because we live in a country that's Eurocentric. So not just Eurocentric, but it's rooted in the customs and laws and you know social systems that uh, were created in Europe. Let's take a closer look at feudalism. Feudalism was a combination of legal, economic, and military customs that flourished in medieval Europe between the 9th and 15th centuries. Broadly defined, it was a way of surrounding society around relationships that were derived from the holding of land in exchange for service or labor. Adam Smith, the 18th century Scottish economist and philosopher known as the father of capitalism, used the term feudal system to describe a social and economic system defined by inherited social ranks, each of which possess inherent social and economic privileges and obligations. In such a system, wealth derived from agriculture, which was arranged not according to market forces, but on the basis of customary labor services owed by peasants and indentured servants to land-owning nobles. Karl Marx, the famed German philosopher, economist, political theorist, historian, and socialist revolutionary, also used the term in the 19th century in his analysis of society's economic and political development, describing feudalism, or more usually feudal society or the feudal mode of production, as the order coming before capitalism. For Marx, what defined feudalism was the power of the ruling class and their control of arable land leading to a class society based upon the exploitation of the peasants who farm these lands, typically under serfdom, which again is a form of debt servitude, and principally by means of labor, produce, and money rents. So this brings us to capitalism. What is capitalism? Capitalism is an economic system in which private individuals or businesses own capital goods. The production of goods and services is based on supply and demand in the general market rather than through central planning. The purest form of capitalism is free market or laissez-faire capitalism. Here, private individuals are unrestrained. They may determine where to invest, what to produce or sell, and at which prices to exchange goods and services. The laissez-faire marketplace operates without checks or balances. Today, most countries practice a mixed capitalist system that includes some degree of government regulation of business and ownership of select industries. There have been many stages and forms of capitalism. Agrarian capitalism, sometimes known as market feudalism, was a transitional form between feudalism and capitalism where market relations replaced some but not all feudal relations in a society. The processes by which capitalism emerged, evolved, and spread are the subject of extensive research and debate among historians. Debates sometimes circle around how to bring substantive historical data to bear on key questions. Key parameters of of debate include 
how far capitalism is a natural human behavior and how far it arises from specific historical circumstances, whether its origins lie in towns, in trade, or in rural property relations. The role of class conflict, the role of the state, the extent to which capitalism is a distinctively European innovation, its relationship with European imperialism, whether technological change is a driver or merely an epiphenomenon of capitalism, and whether or not it is the most beneficial way to organize human societies. The origins of capitalism have been much debated and depend partly on how capitalism is defined. The, tradi the traditional account originating in classical 18th century liberal economic thought and still often articulated is the commercialization model. This sees capitalism originating in trade. Since evidence for trade is found even in Paleolithic culture, it can be seen as natural to human societies. In this reading, capitalism emerged from earlier trade once merchants had acquired sufficient wealth, referred to as primitive capital, to begin investing in increasingly productive technology. This account tends to see capitalism as a continuation of trade, arising when people's natural entrepreneurialism was free from the constraints of feudalism. Thus, it traces capitalism to early forms of merchant capitalism practiced in Western Europe during the Middle Ages. By the beginning of the 21st century, capitalism had become the pervasive economic system worldwide. There are many people who champion capitalism as the best economic system for growth and freedom, while others argue that the growth that capitalism creates is responsible for perpetuating social and economic inequality and destruction of the environment. So whose perspective is right? We'll explore this question and more next time on Theory of Indivisibility. Theory of Indivisibility is written and produced by me. If you enjoy this podcast, please rate and review it on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform and share it with friends on social media. It really helps. It takes 20 to 30 hours of research, writing, producing, and editing to complete each show. So if you like what you hear, you can show your support in helping me to make this show more sustainable by becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash live indivisible. That is where you'll also find show notes and resources for each episode. Thanks again for listening. And until next time, I love y'all. Peace. Visionary mind frame got me open in this. I pause for a second, listen to the words that I spit. So, can you feel it? Lose focus and you start to see the vibration in every nation. Check your foundation, a matter of energy. Got me circling for the world around me. Stand strong, holding the position I belong. Finish clearing the past and then you move on to a new way to go. You're engaging the flow, the critical mass. Got a brother running so fast, but will I slow down? The wheels on the bus go round and round. Sitting thinking how I'm living, what the longer now I'm coming to a point where I'm bridging the gap. I reckon living with the interpersonal ethic emerging to another level with my culture. Open your mind. Vision no time. Open your mind in this. New vision no time. Open your mind in this. New vision no time. Open your mind in this. New vision no time. Open your mind in this. Theme song New Vision is performed by Achilles the Cosmonaut. Find more from Achilles the Cosmonaut on your favorite music streaming app.